0: following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right, amen and amen. It's too bad we can't keep the little ones up with us, but you know what that would turn into? A crying shame, amen, (laughs) because as soon as I got to preaching, they'd be crying, and what a shame, amen. All right, if you will, Matthew 15 this morning, Matthew chapter 15, and we are glad you're here today. Matthew 15, and we'll begin in verse 21. <clears throat> Matthew 15, beginning in verse 21. Hope that you brought a Bible today. We are going to use it. If you don't have one, there should be a, a Bibles in the pew or under the pew on the little shelf or what have you. <clears throat> so, Matthew 15, and again, let's begin in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I'd like to preach from this passage of scripture this morning, the cry for mercy, the cry for mercy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, as we look into thy word this morning, God, we thank you so much for those who've come to hear thy word today. And I pray, Father, that we would rejoice in the mercy of God. And Father, as we look at this woman whose cry was a cry for mercy, Father, may we see in ourselves the need, if there is a need, for mercy if folks are lost. And Father, those of us who are saved, we're saved by the grace and mercy of God given to us by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, may we rejoice as Christian people, not boasting in anything we do, but boasting in what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. And I pray, God, that you'd bless the preaching of thy word today. Father, take it and use it as only you can in the hearts of men. I pray thy will be done and thy name be glorified. I pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Again, the cry for mercy. Now, here in our text, we see a woman... Who, in, uh, if you look with me to Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, she is called by a little bit different designation here. In uh, Mark 7 and verse uh, 26, this woman was a Greek. It's, a, it's really a parallel story to what we're reading in uh, Matthew chapter 7. Sometimes we see these different occurrences. They're the same occurrence written by uh, three different men about the same situation and sometimes we look at the details and we think oh there here's a contradiction they're not a contradiction what we're getting is different information and god will give us a clearer picture sometimes by looking at all the accounts we can see more of what we can just than in the one account and mark 7 and verse 26 the woman was called a greek a syrophoenician by nation and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter looking back to our text in uh, Matthew 15, Matthew 15 and verse 21, <clears throat> the Bible says here, "...then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is uh, grievously vexed with the devil." So we, we get a little bit different details, same account, the same uh, a miracle is about to take place. And yet we find in the midst of all of this a cry for mercy. Now, it's interesting that this uh, woman was a Greek a woman, a Syrophoenician by nation. Uh, and <clears throat> This included in ancient times uh, uh, the whole land, including Tyre and Sidon, and was the possession of the Canaanites. Uh, called Canaan, the Phoenicians were descendants uh, from the Canaanites. The country was in, uh, including Tyre and Sidon uh, was called Phoenicia or syrophoenicia. That country was taken by the Greeks under Alexander the Great, and those cities and in that time, in the time of Christ were Greek cities. The woman was therefore a Gentile living under Greek government and probably speaking the Greek language. And let me say this, all the people, a lot of people at that time, even in Rome, were speaking what's called the Koine Greek or the common Greek language of the day. And she was by birth a Syrophoenician, born in that country, descended therefore from the ancient Canaanites. But as we we talk about what went on here, her cry was a cry uh, for mercy. She says here in verse uh, 22 again, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter, is grievously vexed with the devil. Now the word mercy is described in this way. It is the desire of one who is offended, wronged, or sinned against to show pity, compassion, or forgiveness towards the offender. If you look with me to Numbers chapter 14 this morning. Numbers chapter 14 and beginning in verse 15. Numbers 14 beginning... In verse 15 here, we find Moses interceding for the nation of Israel uh, based upon the mercy of God. In Numbers 14, 50, Now, if thou shalt kill all this people, and the Lord was angry with Israel at this point in time, not angry with uh, those among the Israelites who were saved, but those who would re- had refused to believe that God could take them in the promised land and conquer the land with them and through them. He wanted to give them the promised land at this time. And and folks, in the face of all that God had already manifested himself when he brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, Ten times he manifest his power in ten different plagues. He brought them out, brought them through the wilderness, brought them to the Red Sea, the edge of the Red Sea. And when it looked like everything was lost, that the enemy of the Egyptians were going to come and destroy them, even still God parted the waters of the Red Sea, not the Reed Sea, the Red Sea, part of the waters. They went through on dry ground and the Bible says the Egyptians uh, saying to do so were drowned. I mean, God had done some great and mighty things for Israel. Now he's brought them uh, to the river Jordan. He's about to, he wants to take them over. He's even sent 12 spies ahead to spy out the land, but they come back. And they come back with an evil report. Only two of the The twelve brought back a positive report. They said, oh man, the people of the land, they're like giants. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We just can't do this. And Joshua and Caleb said, wait a second. We can do this. The Lord can help us to do this. And yet the ten led the people to rebel against God. And now uh, the Lord is contemplating destroying them as a nation. In verse 15, Moses is interceding for them. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which shall which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring the people of the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, Now, you know what Moses is doing? He is going to uh, repeat back to the Lord, his own word, and the things that God has said of himself. He says here, and this comes from Exodus uh, chapter 34, but he says here in verse 18, he says, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and and, uh, by no means will clear the guilty, (coughs) visiting the iniquity of the fathers (coughs) upon the children of the third and fourth generation. He says, pardon, I beseech thee, uh, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according unto thy greatness of the mer- of thy mercy as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now and the Lord said I have pardoned according to thy word but as true as truly as I live all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord now you know what folks uh, Moses was able to turn the Lord from the fierceness of his anger against Israel's nation and they found forgiveness they found pardon they found mercy with a merciful God because Moses reminded the Lord that he is just that a merciful God, a God of great mercy. And those people in Israel needed it, and God pardoned Israel at that time because Moses pleaded uh, for them. So mercy is, again, the desire of one who is offended, wronged, or sinned against to show pity, compassion, or forgiveness towards the offender you know the Bible says in Micah 7 and 18 we won't take the time to turn there but the Bible says that God delighteth in mercy God would rather show mercy than bring judgment the Bible says in another place that mercy rejoiceth against judgment when God should and had and should judge man for sin God chooses to show mercy to man through our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And so as we look back to our text in uh, Matthew chapter 15 this morning, Matthew chapter 15, we want to consider more closely, if you will, this cry uh, for mercy, this cry for mercy. First of all, as we look at verses 21 and 22 again, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. And it says, My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. You know this, her cry for mercy is first a cry, a personal cry. You know, folks, even though her daughter was the reason for her being there, she knew that above even that, she herself needed mercy from God. She was not a Christian. She did not know the Lord. She knew about Christ. Otherwise, why would she have even come to Him? She heard something of Him. Maybe knew something of what the Bible had to say about it. And here she's coming. And the first thing she says is, Lord, have mercy on me. On me. The cry for mercy must first and foremost be a personal cry. If you look back with me to Genesis chapter 9... Genesis chapter 9, remember that the Syrophoenicians were descendants of the Canaanites, and the Canaanites were descendants of Noah. When God destroyed the world with a worldwide flood, there were only eight persons alive after the flood in the ark. In Genesis 9, after the Lord has brought them out of the ark, look at verse 18, and the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, but Ham is the father of Canaan. These are, the, these are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread, meaning that as they left the ark and left where the Lord had brought them to, they overspread the whole world. And from them came the population we have now today. From these eight, if you will. <clears throat> and it goes on to say here, and he drank, or look at verse uh, 19, and Noah began to be a an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. Now, I, I, my understanding of this is that before the flood, there was no fermentation. I don't know that they had alcoholic drinks like they have today, but nonetheless, so Noah, has he's began to be a husbandman, he's planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered in his tent. And Ham the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their, their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their uh, faces were backward and they saw not the nakedness of their father. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. There's an implication there's an implication of immorality. Folks, more than just him seeing his father's nakedness, there is an implication of possibly sodomy taking place here. It he goes on to say, and, uh, and he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of ser- servants, be, shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now this seems, would seem rather strong to me if all that had happened was that he had saw his father's nakedness. More has happened. More has gone on. It's probably uh, some immorality that took place. If you look with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this falls under, if you will, fornication. There's all kinds of things that fall under uh, fornication as... Uh, sodomy and, and, uh, for, and uh, sex before marriage and things like that, all kinds of other things today. And let me say this. Do you know something? We need to know what the Bible says about these things because our world today is, is, is we're going to see an onslaught and a push by President Biden and others. They're pushing right now a bill through Congress. They're trying to establish a stir, a stern laws that demand that demand rights and they're forcing uh, rights upon us for the uh, transsexual, homosexual things. That that I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you want to be immoral, do it quietly at home. You'll answer to God, but don't force immorality on the rest of society. These things are sin that God speaks of in First Corinthians chapter six, looking at verse sixteen. The Bible says, "Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot?" is one body. For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the, unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Then he goes on to chapter 7 and verse 1. Now concerning... The things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man, not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Now, you know, I'm tell you something, folks. God hasn't changed when it comes to these issues. Fornication still covers, uh, if you will, the transsexual movement, the homosexual movement. It deals with the issue of sex before marriage. Folks, sex can only be properly observed in the marriage relationship and let me say this our society has changed not because of God but because of generations that have lost sight have lost sight of what is true and right and they have not in in times past taught their children what is right and uh, then they find themselves in situations that are not proper that are not right I believe that this woman when her cry for mercy was a personal cry. It very well could have been that the daughter that she had brought forth into this world may have been conceived by virtue of fornication. We don't have any record of a husband. You say, well, preacher, that's terrible. Let me tell you something. God wants to show mercy to this woman, she's coming to God because He is a God of mercy. You know, whether she was taught right or not, whether anybody's taught right or not, folks, you know, there's mercy with God sometimes because of our own bad choices. Amen. In the final analysis, when it comes to right and wrong, God has established for us what is true and right. God has already judged himself. You know, some people say, well, preacher, who are you to judge? God has judged already what is right and wrong, and he's told us what is right and wrong. It's up to us to decide whether we're going to obey God or not. And then when we have failed, and you know, let me tell you something. There's not a person in this room that has not somehow failed God. There's not a person, including me as a preacher. Before I was saved by the grace of God as a 19-year-old young man, folks, I was involved with drugs, alcohol, and other things I'm ashamed of today. But for the mercy and the grace of God, I would have no right to stand here and preach to you. But I found mercy with God, as all sinners can find mercy with God. Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, if you look there with me. Genesis chapter 2. And let's begin in verse 18. Here the Bible says, And the Lord God said and, uh, and the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought on, uh, them unto him uh, unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was named thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. Now, you know, maybe he had a pet dog. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. Maybe he had a bowser that he loved. But you know what? That wasn't what God intended for Adam. Amen? He had something better for Adam. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Uh, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Do Do you get the wording here? The man and his wife, the man and his wife. God has a way in which to bring children into this world, and it is to in a home, proper home setting. Now, it's sad to me that sometimes in the world in which we live, it's not happening that way. And sometimes people have to struggle with the fact that look what I've done. You know, I wished it could have been done right. I wished I could, but let me tell you something. Just to bring children into this world doesn't make it right. There's a right way to bring children to this world and it's through the home amen it's not just through the bed it's through the home genesis 1 and 26 and god said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth so god created man in his own image and the image of god created he him Male and female. Let me me remind you of something. God brought Eve, not Steve, to Adam. Adam and Steve couldn't make anything but a mess. Amen. You know, we have a world today that says, oh, well, you know, we've got to be tolerant. We have to be kind. Let me tell you something. I want them to repent and believe the gospel and be saved by the grace of God. You know, God will show mercy but we need to know in a day when it's not being said we need to know what god says and what, how god feels about these things this is not my opinion this is not my philosophy this is what the bible says and god bless them what the home and god said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth god bless the home and put procreation in the home, if you will. Psalm 127, Psalm 127. The Bible says in verse three, "'Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, "'and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now, he's talking about a home setting. The fruit of the womb is the reward of God for the home. It is a reward of God for the home. It is not the reward of God for sex. It's the reward of God for the home. And it's it's sad to say that some bring children into this world. Look with me to Galatians six. <clears throat> Look at verses seven and eight. Galatians chapter six, verses seven and eight. <clears throat> Bible says be not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting let me say this fornication is sowing to the flesh a child born by virtue of fornication is still a sweet thing but it is not the reward of God for following God's plan in the home. Because if there is no home, they're out of God's plan. Say, preacher, that's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. Because often I read the newspapers and I read where children are born and I read sometimes two different names and no home and sometimes you see those children and i'm going to tell you something it's not the child's fault that children that parents sin it's the parent's fault and the midst in the but in the midst of all of that the bible says for all have sin and come short of the glory of god there is still mercy there is still mercy with god for those that sin against their own body And bring a child into the world out of wedlock. There's still mercy with God for them. Say, preacher, these are some tough things to say. You know something? I don't like preaching this kind of stuff. But you know what? We're living in a generation today where there's a great assault on our morality. And I'm going to tell you something. The only moral compass we're going to find in this world today The proper moral compass is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Now, thanks be to God, if you look back with me to Matthew Matthew 15. And verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now you know something? I have a feeling that maybe the birth was not the only place where immorality took place. It very well could be that her life was filled with idolatry and other kinds of practices that brought her in contact and her family in contact with demonism. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Demons are real. They're not more powerful than God, but they are real. And they're often associated with immoral behavior. Often associated with that. And false religion. And this woman, when she cried out to God, she cried out in a personal way, God, God have mercy on me. Because that was the beginning where mercy needed to find, she needed to find mercy with God herself before mercy could be had, if you will, for her daughter. Her cry was a personal cry, if you will. Secondly, her cry was a persistent cry. And before we go any further, let me say this. She wouldn't have cried out to God had she not believed that God would show mercy to her. Amen? She went looking to Christ for mercy. Secondly, Her cry was persistent. Look at 23, verses 23 to 25. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. You know, I, (laughs) I appreciate this. Here's a mother that's not just concerned about herself. She is concerned about her daughter. But there's a personal issue. There's her daughter at at stake here. And you know what? She is not going to accept no for an answer. The Lord, you know, it wasn't that the Lord didn't hear her. You know, we're foolish to imagine. You know, sometimes we imagine, you know, if we cry out to God, God isn't going to hear me. Almost as if God's a a deaf God. I mean, so far away in heaven, he couldn't possibly hear me. Maybe he doesn't want to hear me. He heard her. He, didn't, he just didn't answer her right away. Have you ever as a Christian prayed for something and not gotten an immediate answer? Yeah. <laughs> and so we say, well, I guess God doesn't want, I, I, should, I, I should quit pray, uh, praying. God doesn't hear me, doesn't want to hear me. I, what? What? The Bible says his, his ears are open unto our cry. God's ears are wide open. It wasn't that he was deaf or that he didn't care. He just wasn't ready to answer. But you know what? She kept after him. And the disciples, they came and saw what was going on and they're saying, oh, wait a second. Here's this Gentile. Here's this Canaanite. Lord, send her away. Now let me say this. We Christians ought to be careful about our spirit. I'm not sure their spirit was... Quite as right as it should have been. Send her away. Why? Christ was there on purpose. He didn't just stumble into this place. Well, I guess let's just take the. Oh, we're off track. No. He was there on purpose. He knew this woman wanted mercy and he wanted to give it to her. He went there on purpose. The disciples said, Oh, man. We don't want her in church why did that guy why did why did that guy come to church what is she doing here thanks be to god for everybody that comes to church i had somebody come to me one time and they didn't like somebody who was coming to church and they said pastor you need to tell them not to come to church i looked at that person and i said no way I said no way i said everyone is welcome in this place and god wants them here i said if you don't like it go somewhere else you said that yeah we want everyone here i wanted that person to stay and they did in spite of the fact that i didn't run that person off amen she was persistent look at me if you will to psalm 27 Psalm 27 and verse 7. Psalm 27 and verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. You know, people sometimes, they maybe think that God doesn't want to hear them. He isn't willing to hear them. And their cry is a cry for mercy. And yet, sometimes they quit. Maybe because God doesn't answer them right away. Psalm 30 and verse 10. Psalm 30 and verse 10. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. O Lord, be thou my helper. What did she say? Lord, help me. Even when she maybe heard the disciples say, send her away. Wouldn't you just love to come to a church where you heard somebody over here say, I wish that person would go away. You know what? If I was in a church like that, I wouldn't come back. Amen. The Lord wants to help. The Lord wanted to hear and did hear. Look at Luke 11. Luke 11 this this morning. And let's look at verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? And say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within uh, shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you that though he will not rise and give him because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say also unto, unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be unto you, open unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh shall uh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, It shall be opened. You know, folks, um, the Lord wants us to keep knocking, to keep asking. You know, sometimes, sometimes he waits a little bit to see how earnest we are in our prayer. You know, this woman was definitely earnest in her cry for mercy. She persisted because she did believe that one day God would show mercy to her she wouldn't be put off. Importunity means pressing solicitation, urgent request, application for claim or favor, which is urged with troublesome frequency or obstinate persistence. You know, you know what I love about kids? When they're a little bitty, it's hard to tell them no. Because you say no, and they say, but. You say no, and they say, why? And I mean, it goes back and forth. And you know, there's a time when you feel like, What part of no don't you get? Amen? What part of no don't you get? I was one of those kids. And you know, sometimes some of them are so persistent. And you want to grab them and say, stop it! Shut up! I don't want to hear it anymore. Preacher, have you ever felt that way? Yeah! And one of those sweet dear children is in the the service today. I won't mention his name, but they're all that way. All three of them. I loved them a lot when I got irritated sometimes. Persistence sometimes is irritating. But understand this, folks, it means something to God. Here was a woman that desired real mercy no matter what, no matter what the issue was. And if you look back with me to Matthew 15, <clears throat> Her cry was a cry of, of a personal cry. Her cry was a persistent cry. Thirdly, her cry was a humble cry. Look with me, if you will, to verse 26. But he answered, and he did answer. Well, this is a tough answer. <clears throat> it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered and said unto her, Woman, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. Now you know what? Some would say, is Jesus calling her a dog? No. He's repeating, he's repeating what the Jews felt about the Gentiles many of his disciples were saved Jews and they were listening to this and I, I think it's interesting. He wasn't calling her a dog. He was repeating what this woman herself knew they thought about her. And as he said it, her response wasn't like, Oh no, I'm crushed! I'm never going back to church there! The preacher said something nasty! you know what she said she said truth Lord yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table you know what folks she was willing to take anything she was willing to take anything if it meant that she could have mercy God there wasn't going to keep there was nothing going to stand between her and receiving mercy She knew what the Jews thought. I think she had some idea of what the Bible had to say about even her and her own religion. She's already, folks, exercising faith. We'll get into that in a moment. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And verse 17. Psalm 51 and 17 The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, that will not despise. Now, you know, a lot of people want to offer God the sacrifices of how great I am. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how religious I am. Look at how obedient I am to the Bible. Look at how I do all the things that the church tells me what to do. I mean, that, surely God's pleased with that, right? No. Because often people, because of religion, imagine themselves to be better than other people. And what are we, any of us, without Christ? We're nothing but sinners in need of a Savior. And you know, a broken and contrite heart is someone, the the word contrite, it's on the other page here. (laughs) It's a broken. That is the brokenhearted uh, for sin, deeply affected with grief and sorrow for having offended God. Humble, penitent, as a contrite sinner. You know what, folks? When we're all now, listen. Sometimes we look at other people and say, you know, that, that guy's a mess. Oh, that girl, she's terrible. There's no personal contrition or sorrow on your own heart, in your own heart, for the fact that they've sinned. You're, as a matter of fact, you may think you're better than they are. A contrite heart says, well, now wait a second. They may be this way, but look at me. Look at me. But what's wrong with me? You know, sometimes I have to preach against sin and, and preach against things that I know the Bible says are wrong. And sometimes as I preach against some things, I have to admit to myself that I have done them. That I have done them. That I myself have been guilty of before I was saved. You know know what unsaved people do? They sin. Like all people do. You know what uh, saved sinners do? They sin. The difference is that one is forgiven and the other isn't. We're still sinners. You know, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace and mercy of God. Amen. James 4, James chapter 4, look at verse 4 Ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with god whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of god do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy but he giveth more grace wherefore he saith god resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble submit yourselves therefore unto god resist the devil and he will flee from you draw nigh to god and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and le- <clears throat> weep, and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaven. is humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You know, folks, if anyone is going to become a Christian saved by the grace of God, there's going to come a time when they have to take personally the fact that they've sinned. That they have sinned. They need mercy. And seek the Lord with all of their heart. You know what causes someone to seek God with all their heart? Is they really believe that God's the answer. Amen. And they they, they they keep after Him. And you know what they realize? You know what? I need the Lord. And if I don't have the Lord in His mercy, I'm hopeless and helplessly lost. This woman that came to Christ, she said, Lord, have mercy on me and on my daughter. We're here because of sin, and we need help and mercy, if you will, from the Lord. Lastly, uh, fourthly, if you will, her cry was by faith. Look with me back to Matthew 15. <clears throat> Thankfully, nobody stood up and danced during that time. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes some people hear music and they start, you know, whatever. Matthew 15. And let's look at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of, the, out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou Son of David. You know, in her, in her saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou Son of David, she is acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that was prophesied to come. She acknowledges that Jesus Christ is, is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And folks, it is not by accident that she's making her appeal to Jesus Christ because she knows that he's the answer for mercy for her and her daughter. Amen? And it took faith. She looked at Jesus Christ as the answer and it caused her to persist when when everybody else said, shut up and leave him alone! She kept on because she knew there was mercy with God and she could find mercy. Her cry was a cry of faith. In Luke 18, look at verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You know what causes people to continue to pray and to seek God? Faith in God. Faith in God. This woman had faith even before the Lord said she had it. She had it, amen. If you will, look with me to, to John 20, John 20. <clears throat> and let's look at verses 30 and 31. And many other signs, truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book, this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might might have life through his name. You know what, folks? I have a feeling. I really have a feeling that she had some knowledge of this book and the God of it. The Bible says in, in Romans 10 and 17, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't just come to you like a bolt of lightning out of the sky. It comes to us through the preaching of God's word. Sometimes someone simply sitting down and beginning to read the Bible and asking God to show me what's true and right. Amen. Hebrews, Hebrews 11. Let's begin in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by the which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. He's talking about people of faith. You know, how do we know, now listen, how do we know that God created the world out of nothing? <laughs> because the Bible says so. Amen. Because the Bible says so. Now the heavens declare that there is a creator. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Shows the creative work of God. But aside from that, we have to believe God. You know, faith is simply taking God at his word. Believing what he says. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him or God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him you know what, folks? It takes faith to seek a God you've never seen. You know, the day I was saved, I'd never seen God with my eyes. I'd never seen the Lord Jesus Christ with my eyes. I'd never seen a whole lot of anything. But when the preacher opened the Word of God, for the first time in my life, I saw God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and I put my faith and trust in Him. In repentance, I turned from my own way, my sin, to Christ and trusted Him and Him alone as my Savior. Thanks, Beelzebub. I'm gonna tell you something, folks. God is pleased when we put our faith and trust in Him and Him alone, and especially when it comes to the issue of mercy. Folks, there was no one else so important as Jesus Christ And her cry to him, a cry of faith for mercy. A cry of faith for mercy. Matthew 15, and I'm done. One more point. You know, I've gotten through almost five points now. And you didn't notice it. You didn't notice it. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, Here's the answer she wanted. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Well, what did she want? Mercy first for herself. And mercy for her daughter. Who was trapped by the devil. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The last thing i want to mention his answer to her cry you know folks it wasn't that that christ didn't hear her he absolutely heard everywhere and you know what folks he knew her heart as only god can know the heart of man he knew what she wanted he waited to answer the answer that she wanted to see the the if you will the measure of her faith and you know what he says "O woman Great is thy faith. Why was it great? Because she simply believed God and went after him with all her heart. Amen. If you're saved here today, you went after God and God, you know what folks, the Lord answered. Bible says, with the mouth, uh, the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're saved here today, God showed mercy to you the day you cried out to God. He heard it, he answered, and answered your faith with the answer you wanted. In Psalm 145, Psalm 145. And verse 19. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. Folks, God, God, God was true to his word with this woman, this Syrophoenician woman. In Matthew 8. Matthew 8. And verse 5. Matthew 8 and verse 5. And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said unto them that followed him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in his kingdom. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto him, unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, be it unto thee. And his servant was healed from that selfsame hour. Again, folks, here's a a man crying out. And you know what? When the Lord said, I'll come and I will come, I will come. He said, you don't have to. You just speak the word. And I believe, I believe it will be done. Your will will be done. Christ didn't even have to go to his house. And again, the Lord spoke of his great faith. Lastly, Mark 9. Mark 9. And some would say, well, man, how much faith does it take? God said to the woman, Oh, great is thy faith. God said to the centurion, I've not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Great faith. Mark 9. Look at verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him and saluted him. And they asked the scribes, what uh, question he with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered and said, O oh, faithless generation, how, shall, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. He asked his father, How long ago is it that, uh, since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it casteth him in the fire and the, into the waters to destroy him. But, it, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. And he entered no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And when he was coming to the house, the disciples asked him some questions. Now, you know what? Here was a man who was struggling with his faith. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Does God have to have perfect faith? Or maybe just faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Sometimes just enough, just enough to believe God, looking for God to answer the prayer that you have, particularly the cry for mercy. See, folks, God delights in mercy. He is a merciful God. But let me ask you this question. Do you personally do you personally know anything about the mercy of God? When was the time God showed you that you were not a Christian? You were lost in sin. Your life was being wrecked by your own sin. And God said, to you, you know what? You know what? You need me? The answer for your sin, the answer for your problems, the answer for the need that you have is something you can't possibly do anything about. You have to trust me. You have to look to me. And you did. You turned from your sin and going your own way and you said, you know what? I want God's way. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Has that ever happened in your life? Has, if it hasn't happened, it can. If it hasn't happened, you're, you're without mercy, but not beyond mercy. Amen. God had me preach this message today for you. For you. If you want mercy, God will give you mercy. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.